we're starting a new series that's probably going to take up the good portion of the first half of uh, 2019. And uh, it's entitled Rooted, Foundations for Kingdom Living. And you know, foundations aren't always that exciting. You know, a lot of people don't say, hey, you want to come down in the crawl space and look at my foundation? <laughs> right? But how many know that they're one of the most important things to any structure? Foundations are important. And we have to constantly, there's, there's constantly things that shift in our environment. You have like in the world, you have earthquakes, you have water erosion, you have all these different, different things that come and try to shake the foundation. So you have to constantly make sure and keep upkeep on the foundation. Do you know, well, I'm getting ahead of myself, but do you know to, in order to grow, your foundation has to get larger? No, no building can be bigger than its foundation. So if some, some of you feel frustrated that maybe, you know, I should be farther along in the things of the kingdom by now, check your foundation. Look what Jesus said. In Matthew 7, verse 24, he says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine, and does them. I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. First of all, I want to just point out what is the rock? What is the rock? Not only the word, but doing the word. He says, I liken him to a wise man who built his house upon the rock. Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them. We have people hearing the sayings of Jesus all over the world this morning. But are they doing them? He goes on to say, but everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew, and it beat on that house and it fell. And great was its fall. One of the things that's interesting here is that uh, God is not a respecter of persons. If you, if you listen to Jesus, he says that the storm comes to the wise man, comes to the doer of the word, and it also comes to the foolish man. Storms come to everyone. And some of us think that that's not true. We think that storms only come to a, a select few, you know, the ones that God doesn't like as much. But storms come to us all. Storms come to us all, but not all fall. That's why some people think that storms don't come to everyone. Not all of us fall apart like a $2 suitcase when the storms come. Because you're being a doer of the word. That's why people get frustrated. They think that, well, God must not like me as much as so-and-so because it seems like I have all these issues that happen in my life but it doesn't happen to so-and-so's life. No, it came to them too. The storm comes to them, but they just don't fall because they're a doer of the word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We thank you for the word of God. 
We thank you for the word that became flesh, Jesus Christ, so we can have something, a lens to, to see your word through. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, God Almighty, that is willing to be in our presence this morning. That never leaves us, never or forsakes us. That right now he's in us, he's on us, he's around us. We are engulfed right now by the presence of Almighty God. Awaken our eyes to see this morning. Awaken us. Melt the wax that has hardened our hearts. We want to see you. We want to experience the living God this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. See, Jesus was talking about foundations. Jesus was talking about foundations. And a structure is only as good as its foundations. And a building can only be as big as its foundations, as we discussed. And the foundation is what is, gives the, the building the ability to withstand, to withstand. So you understand that buildings have foundations, right? You, we all know that. Your home has a foundation. But do you know everything has a foundation? Institutions have foundations. They have principles. They have bylaws. They have things that they, they govern how that institution operates, what they stand for, all of the... All of those things. Businesses. Businesses have foundations. They have systems of the way that they operate, the way that things work. Government. Governments have foundations. In the United States, we have what? We have the Constitution and we have the Bill of Rights, right? And if you erode those foundations, if you erode those, if you take those away, it weakens the structure. So you always have to be careful. You have to be very careful when you mess with foundations. You know your family has foundations? You know, there used to be a time when your last name meant something. It stood for something. When someone heard your last name, it made them think of something. And that's based on the character of that family. It's based on the principles of that family. It's based on the foundations. Life. Your life has foundations. You have different ways that you see things. You have different ways that you believe things. There, you, you make choices. The choices that you make every day are based on your foundations. Trees. Tree, a tree. The Bible talks about trees a lot. And they have a foundation. It's called their roots. Have you ever, have you ever went to, uh, or have you ever had a storm and seen these great big huge trees that looked like they were fine? They looked strong. They looked big. They looked huge. It looked like nothing could knock it over. But a wind comes through and pushes it over. And as it goes over, you see that the roots, they weren't, it was just small. They weren't spread out. They weren't, it wasn't a good foundation for that tree. See, not very many people go into someone's garden or someone's flowers or an orchard and, say, and you say, man, you, you need to come down underground and look at these trees' ruts. They're awesome. No, we like the fruit. We like the, the flowers. We like, we like the visual things on top. But a tree is only as good as its roots. It's only as good as its roots. What, what are your roots? See, if a tree's roots, is good, roots are good, it doesn't need to fe fear the storm. Right? Just like the wise man that heard the word, was a doer of the word, he didn't have to fear the storm. So too, a tree that has a good root system 
When the storm comes, there's nothing to fear. But what are your roots? What are your root systems? See, your root system is made up of two beliefs. Two beliefs. Your theology and your philosophy. Your theology and your philosophy. Now, I know these aren't words that you usually use. You're thinking, I'm no, I don't have a philosophy. I'm not, I don't understand theology. I'm no theologian. Yes, you are. Every single person on the face of the planet is a theologian. They have a belief system about God. Do you understand that? Theology is simply, in the simple terms, it's a belief system about God. And then we all have a philosophy. We have a philosophy. You guys are all philosophers. Which is a belief system about you. You have a belief system about God, and you have a belief system about you, and this makes up your root system. Everyone on the face of the planet lives their lives through their theology and their philosophy. You live your life about what, um, based off what you believe about God and what you believe about yourself. Everyone lives this way. Whether they realize it or not, that's your foundation. That's your foundation. And it affects every single area of your life. Every single area of your life. See, that's what Jesus was telling them. They're saying, listen to what I say and do. Live the way that I say. He was giving them a theology and he was giving them a philosophy. And a lot of people listen, but they don't do. Why? Because it's not truly their theology. It's not truly their philosophy. Jesus said to those that hear and live out his words, are a doer of the word, is wise. And will have storm-weathering foundations. But those that hear only and do not live them out, not allowing the word to affect their lives, Jesus used some harsh language here, and he calls them a fool. He calls them a fool. And he says that they will be overtaken by the storm. See, the language of the Spirit, the language of the kingdom of God is the word of God. If we do not understand or know what the word says, we will have a more difficult time living in the spirit and living in God's kingdom. So over the next months, we're going to cover six roots. Six roots are six foundations for life. And not just life only, but kingdom life. Jesus says, I came to give you life and life more abundantly. Amen. So we're going to look at understanding God's love for you. We're going to look at understanding your spiritual makeup. We're going to look at understanding how God sees you. We're going to look at understanding your identity in Christ. We're going to look at understanding the true nature of God. And we're going to look at understanding your spiritual authority. Any area of your tree, your life, that is withered stems directly to a lack of not having a living faith in one of these six root systems. You realize that? The health of a tree, what you see on top, starts at the roots. Jesus, when he cursed the fig tree, it says that it withered up from the roots up. Do you know if you don't kill the root system, you can cut down a tree, but if the roots are healthy, that tree will start growing again. You know, there's some people, there's some believers that have had some mighty storms come through their life where it knocked, it seemed looked like it knocked everything down. But the, th- the foundations were so strong, it came back better than before. 
But by having a true understanding of the roots of the kingdom living, we're gonna do th- it's going to do three things for you. It's going it's to revolution- revolutionize your relationship with God. How many of you, hopefully if you're here on a Sunday morning, especially if you are at Karis on a Sunday morning, the reason you're here is because you want a deeper revelation of your relationship with God. You, you want to experience God, right? They talk about seeker-friendly churches. We are seeker-friendly churches. We seek God and expect Him to show up. What else would you be seeking at church? Right? God is here. God wants an intimate relationship with you. And I know that some of us haven't had an experience with God in years. You're just going through the emotions. Think to yourself, when is the last time that you had an intimate moment with God? An intimate moment with God where you knew, you knew without a shadow of a doubt that he was right there with you? That it, that it, it was so real that you could feel it, not just in your spirit, not just by faith, but physically, tangibly, you're experiencing God. This is why Jesus came. Jesus came to put us back into that relationship with God. That we have these, and we're going to learn about this stuff, but that you've been baptized into God. That's just not talking about getting sprinkled or dunked. That's talking about your spirit, who you are, was plunged into the Trinity of God. And God dwells within you, and you dwell within God. And I discussed this a couple weeks back. You can't get to the depths of that. That's like trying to understand the entire ocean. We've only scratched the surface on being able to explore the entire ocean, right? And what we know about God and our union with God is, is in, in who we are in Christ and what Christ has done for us is, is just like us in a, bottle, in a bottle floating on the ocean. But Paul says that the mystery revealed in Christ is that that ocean, even though we're in that ocean, floating that ocean, just a bottle in that ocean, the mystery is that that ocean is also in the bottle. We're going to be empowered to overcome any attack of the enemy. And here's just something simple. When you get a little ache, when you get a little pain, when the finances don't look good, what do you do? See, a lot of people, they get full-blown sick. Before they say, you know what, I, I should rebuke this. Why? Because of their theology. Because of their philosophy. It's the flu season. We're all going to get sick. Not in this house. Is that abundant life? And I, and, I, and I put this out there because as a pastor, i got to be an example. Some of you have been here since the, since the birth of, of Karis New Testament Church. And you've never seen me sick. Seven years. And you say, Chad, you shouldn't say that. Yeah, I, I can say that. That's my testimony. And it's not because I'm some super duper. It's because I know what Jesus Christ has done for me. And listen to me. It's, it, 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 it's not that you're not, if you struggled with sickness. It, I'm not saying that sickness never came knocking on my door. I had to fight it. I had to stand on my theology. I had to stand on my philosophy. And listen, it's not, if you did get sick, if you do get sick, Guess what? 
That's not, it's not saying that you're not spiritual. Because I do not get sick, not based on me being spiritual. I don't get sick based on what Jesus Christ has done for me. It's a, just a lack of understanding. It's a lack of living faith. Living faith. So, guess what? It's simple. We, we're the ones that make it difficult. We need to be, change, uh, renew our minds to when an eight comes, we speak to it right away. You speak to it. And that's, we'll get to that. That's your authority. But when we have, understand these foundations, understanding your authority, understanding who you are in Christ, that you are different, you are peculiar people. And that doesn't mean strange, even though some of us are strange. But it, it means that you are different from the rest of the world. Because you're born again, you have the Spirit of God living within you. And thirdly, we're going to be able to minister to anyone at any time about anything. Because every, all the issues of life stem from these six areas. Every issue that you will ever face in life stems from these six areas. See, all issues are spiritual in nature. Your spirit is what affects every other aspect of your life. If you want to change your life, you need to align your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions with the Word of God. These foundations are not something that we learn once and then move on something to something greater, right? Greater revelations. But these are something that we are continually, continually growing in all the days of our lives. Why? Because for, in order for you to grow, your foundations have to grow. So today we're going to begin with root number one. Understanding God's love for you. And you're thinking, what? This is Sunday school. This is children's church message. Yeah, we need to go back to children's church because something happened. When we, when we graduated from children's church and came into adulthood, something tragically happened. Because in children's church, we learned that Jesus loves me. This I know because the Bible tells me so. And some, somewhere between there and coming out here, we changed, the, changed our singing to, that's a childish song. To now we sing adult songs. Oh, how I love Jesus. We need to go back to children's church. We need to experience the love of God again. Because I just want to caution you. I want to caution you right here. Because if you are not careful, if you are not careful, you can zone out right now. You start looking at your cell phone making your grocery list, balancing your checkbook, whatever you do when your hearts are not receiving the Word of God. you got to come expecting. See, your mind has a tendency to say, the love of God. I already know this. I already know this. I want something new. I want something greater. I need a greater revelations. No, you don't. What you need is to be so rooted in God's love for you that you become a revelation. That you become a revelation. That a, that a, a revelation of the love, of the love of God to your family. A love of, of the revelation of the love of God to your church. A love of, of a revelation of the love of God to your community, to your spheres of influence. The moment you think that you know something, where you tune out the teaching on the subject is the moment that you shut off the Holy Spirit. You shut off the Holy Spirit from quickening 
that word. See, the word of God is alive and living, and it wants to birth something inside of you. It wants to grow fruit with inside of you. And we can shut that off. We can shut it off and not hear what the Word of God is saying, not allow the Word of God to penetrate our heart. We can stop the power and the life that is in the Word from affecting you. And for some of us, it's going to take effort. You're going to have to discipline your flesh. Because I struggled with this. I got slapped up by God. He said, there was, there, there was a teaching that came on, and, and some, you know, some of these, uh, the TV teachers, Andrew, all, all these people, they do a lot of the same teachings over and over again, right? We're riding away. And uh, they do the same teachings over and over again. And it just, I, I'm kind of like, oh, I heard this. I've heard this. I don't need to listen to this. And God says, who do you think you are? As soon as you think that, as soon as you get that thought that I already know this, that is your knower. And your knower does not produce faith. We have too many people that have knowledge up here and haven't known in here. It hasn't become living, active faith in their life. We have to guard our hearts so we don't become complacent with the things of God. Listen to me. Just because you underlined it in your Bible once doesn't mean that you understand it. Doesn't mean that you got it. There are things that I have underlined, things that I have memorized. Just because you have it memorized doesn't mean that you got it. I've met a lot of people that can tell you what the Bible says They can underline it. They got the knowledge. They could teach the same messages that I'm teaching. But it's not affecting their life because it hasn't become alive where they become doers of that word. It has not become their theology. It has not become their philosophy. Yes, they can parrot. A parrot can say the same things that we say. Just because you have it memorized does not mean that it's become living, living faith with inside you. Here's a perfect example. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. When I, when I first came in the kingdom, um, I was over at a buddy's house, a bunch of buddies, and we got in this such subject of God, and we were, and I was, I guess, evangelizing the best I could, and uh, we're sitting around the table, and all of a sudden, sudden, uh, his grandparents walk in, and his grandparents were Jehovah Witness, and being a young I was thinking, oh, great, what's this going to what's going to happen? Because I knew 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 that they were Jehovah's Witness and everything. And uh, my buddy says, "Well, what, keep going." And I said, "Well," and, I, and so I kept going. And they and they said, "Well, what? What's this? Why is why why are you always talking about Jesus? Why is Jesus so so important?" And all I had was this scripture. <laughs> For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And they didn't say another word after that. This is the revelation. This is the revelation. How many of you know this verse by heart? Let's say it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Amen. We know that so good we can speed say it, couldn't we? 
See, the word, the world does not need people that have this memorized. But people that live like it's true. This is the single most important revelation that you can have as a believer. That's why it's everywhere you go. That's why it's at the football games. That's why it's at the concerts. That's why it's on the overpass that you're driving through. That's why it's spray painting. I, I, I guess it's all right to um, deface property as long as you're putting John 3.16 on there. It's on stop signs. It's everywhere. But for us believers that have been in the kingdom, it's old hat. Listen to what it says in the Amplified version of this. John 3, 6 in the Amplified. For God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world that he even gave up his only begotten, unique son, so that whoever believes in, trusts in, clings to, relies on him, shall not perish, come to destructions, be lost, but have eternal, everlasting life. This is the revelation of God. This is the lens that we see God through. Think about this. God Almighty, God was so motivated toward you and I that he did something. God did something. Something motivated Almighty God to action. And what was that action? It was to give. It was to give. See, God seen you and I bound by sin and death, taken captive by the enemy. So God gave Jesus to rescue us. By coming in the flesh and completely obliterating sin. See, that's something you need to understand. Sin's been obliterated. You are no longer bound by sin. He's no longer your master. If you still sin, guess what? It's because that root system's not working properly. Your foundation is not proper. You've been freed from sin. A lot of people don't, don't tell you that. That the Bible teaches that you don't have to sin another day in your life. You don't have to. You choose to. Before, you didn't have a choice. You were a sinner. And what do sinners do? They sin. So you should never get mad at a sinner. Because they're, they're doing what they were born to do. They were born to sin. But we were born. We were born again. We were born to reflect the glory of God. And a lot of things that we think are sin aren't sin. There's more sin in the church than there is in bars sometimes. See, Jesus came to rescue us by coming in the flesh and completely obliterating sin, obliterating the death, obliterating the enemy of our souls on the cross. This is the revela revelation of romance. Do you realize that? This is what every love story ever written is based off from. Someone that was willing to give up everything for what or whom he or she loves. This is the revelation of romance. When you're in love with someone, all you want to do is be close to that person. Can you remember that? Because some of you forgot. Jack and Bobby, you remember that, don't you? Jack couldn't keep his hands off you. Once, no, yeah. Right? You want to hold their hand. You want to be close to them. You want to wrap your arms around them. Do you know how 
to get that fire going again. I don't recommend it, but it, will, it always works. Bring someone in that separates that relationship. What happens? All of a sudden, Jack, you would get away from my woman. Right? <laughs> There's a, all of a sudden passion back in, in us. Right? There's this jealousy, and it's a good jealousy. It says God is a jealous God. Because something came in and interrupted his relationship with his beloved. Sin came in and interrupted his relationship, came between his relationship. And all the wrath that we ever seen in the Bible was towards sin, not us. Sin stepped in and brought darkness and division between us and God. Notice I said us and God, not God and us. Sin doesn't change God's feelings towards you, but sin will change your feelings towards God. God was always the one pursuing you. You didn't find God. You finally turned around and ran into him. God is always the pursuer. God gave. He gave motivated by love and sent Jesus to bring us back to a place of intimacy with the Trinity, putting us back in relationship with God. And if God was willing to do that, if God was willing to do that, how could you ever doubt that his will is anything but good towards you? See how important this is? Because we don't really believe this. We don't really believe the love of God because of what we say, how we live our life, our philosophy, our theology. We say stupid stuff. Like God's doing this to teach me something. Or God, God did this so people could be saved from my testimony. That's, you do not understand the love of God. This is not talking about, understanding the love of God is not talking about your love for God. See, this message has been perverted in the church. If you love God, you're going you're gonna to give today like you never gave before. If you love God, you're going to meet with us on Saturday and we're going to go out and evangelize, go do some door knockings if you really love God. If you love God, you're going to serve. You're going to serve down in, in the little kids' church or you're going to serve wherever. If you love God, if you love God, you're going to be at church whenever the doors are open. See, that's how we've been programmed. We've been programmed. Love is based on Performance. You do this and you get this. You do well and you get promoted. You do poorly, you get demoted. And even though the, the, some of those principles are important in the world, in the natural sphere of things, it doesn't work with God. Because I don't know if you know this or not, but rude awakening, God doesn't need anything from you. He doesn't need a thing from you. I mean, it's the same in natural marriage, right? The same in natural marriage. And I've shared this before, but when that bride comes around the corner and the groom is standing there looking at her, what thoughts go through your mind, men? Yeah. It's not... I am going to lay my life down for her. Every decision, everything I do I'm, is going to be for her. She's going to be greater and I'm going to be less. I'm going to serve her. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to take care of her. I'm going to provide for her. I'm gonna, you're not thinking those things. You're thinking what she's going to do for me. 
the way that she makes me feel. It's interesting that marriage is an image of our relationship with Jesus. And if you read that in Ephesians, it talks about when his bride comes down, he looks at her and she's a mess. And in her mess, he says, I'm going to wash you with the water of the word. I'm going to present you to myself spotless and clean without any wrinkle or blemish. God sees you in your mess. God sees you in your pig pen. God sees you in your sin. And he loves you anyways. If you, I love you if, when, and because. This is how we've been programmed. I love you if you make lots of money. I love you if you stay pretty. I love you if you make me dinner. I love you if you buy me things. I love you when you clean the house. I love you when you take me on vacation. I love you because of the way you make me feel. I love you because... You're successful. I love you if, when, and because. And if you don't, watch out. Subconsciously, subconsciously, this is how we approach God. If we want God to act a certain way, we have to do something for him. Should you read your Bible? Yeah. Should you pray? Yeah. Should you serve? Yes. But not because you're trying to get something. We love because he first loved us. God's love is not based on your performance. Your experience with God's love should not be based out of fear, works, or deeds. You'd be shocked at how many people are church and serve in church and do the things that they do, not because out of a genuine God loves me and wants the best for me, but because they're afraid. God does not love you conditionally. God does not love you conditionally. If I read, pray, and serve, maybe even if it's really serious, if I fast, then I feel like I'm more worthy of God's love. Anybody been there? I feel more worthy. I feel more worthy of God's love, and he will heal me. He will bless me. Or whatever you're trying to bribe God to do for you. If I just do everything that I need to do, then I will have faith. Do you see how deceptive this is? This is a deception from the enemy. You're basing your faith 100% on you. On what you do. And what you do is never going to, it's just a bunch of doo-doo. <laughs> You're basing your faith on you and not on God and what he has said and what he has done in Christ Jesus. Faith is not based on your feelings or your performance. Do you know when you can be strongest in faith? When you don't feel like you have any faith. When all you, all, all you can do is say, look at the word and meditate on Jesus and say, God, you're going to do it because you said you're going to do it. God, you're going to do it because Jesus, Jesus gave himself 
for this promise to be manifest in my life. God's love never wavers. Wavers. You, you, you might. You might waver. You're up one day, you're down the next. You know, you're out in the mountain one day, you're in the valley the next. You're in the Garden of Eden one day, next day you're in, in the desert place. You know, and you're thinking, where's God? Where's God? He's right there with you. God's in the desert with you. God never leaves you. He never forsakes you. God never changes. His love for you, his, compa- his passion, his compassion is, is always constant towards you. You're the one that changes. God loved us first. And if you don't understand this, you will never, ever have the kind of love he wants you to have. And that's responsive love. God wants you to have love that is a response to his love for you. The message of God's love has become one of works for many people. If you love God, you will go, you will do, you will give, and the list goes on. And if you don't go and you don't do and you don't give, then We believe that we don't love God and God might not love us as much as those that are going and doing and giving. Has anybody been there before? 1 John 4, verse 8. It says, He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. You wouldn't believe how many Believers struggle with truly believing that God loves them. See, God is love. It's his nature. It's his character. It's his essence. It's who he is. Everything he does is based solely out of his love for us and not by our merits. Our actions don't affect God and his love for, and his love for us, but they can affect how we react to him. You understand that? Our actions don't affect God's love for us, but our actions can affect the way that we react to God. The perfect example is the very first thing, Adam and Eve. They ate from the tree of knowledge and evil, and did God forsake them? Did God leave them? Did God just turn his back on them? No, it says they heard him coming. Like he always came in the cool of the day to fellowship with them, to be with them. And what did they do? They hid themselves. Do you see that? But when you truly know God's love and receive that love, you can't help but reflect that same love to the world. We, we become the echo of God's love in the earth. See, those that struggle with grace are those that don't truly have a living revelation of God's love for them. You can talk about God's grace all you want, but if people do not understand how much God loves them, you're wasting your time. You're wasting your time. Because there will always be the nagging question in their hearts. The question, why? Why did God do all this for me? See, the grace of God, turns, it turns us to Christ. It gives us forgiveness. It keeps us and strengthens us. It gives us his righteousness, the very righteousness of God. It makes us holy. It calls us saints and heirs to the kingdom. It increases us in the blessings and the inheritance that are ours in Christ Jesus. That's what the grace of God does, all independent of what you have done all independent of what you have to do. But why? Why did God do this? Why did he give his grace? Why is it independent? The whole world does not work this way. The whole world does not work by grace. It works by performance. I don't understand. I have to do something. There has to be something that I have to do. And people say it. Well, you can't go live any way you want. There's got to be something I can do. As one Great preacher said, when asked, so what are you saying? You're just making it sound like I can go live any way I want. And he says, you can. 
Now, how do you want to live? How do you want to live? We need a living faith. See, God chose to do this all for us. God chose to do this all for us. Why did God choose to do this for us? We didn't deserve it. We fail him over and over and over again. We are unfaithful. We're greedy. We're self-centered. We're ungrateful. We're thankless. Why would God do this? Why would he give us his grace? Because he loves you. Because he loves you. God loves you. It's that simple. And at the same time, it's unsearchable. When you understand God's love for you, when you have experience with the love of God, then living in grace is simple. Receiving from God is simple. Because you know how much he loves you. That he has a plan for you. That he desires the best for you. You've been listening to a message from Karis New Testament Church. For more information or to contact us, go to www.karisntc.org. And remember, you are deeply loved, highly favored, and destined to reign in Christ Jesus.